Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of The Hermit's Cave called Story Without End. Oddly, it lasts only 23 minutes. The Mamas in the Little Theater of the Air. is a story of love that has no end, of the deep, dark shadows of sorrow, of dreams that span the bridge of time. It's my story and Loray's. I am David Runzo, just an ordinary guy with hopes like yours and dreams like yours. I was one in a foxhole with thousands of boys, and in the nighttime when the enemy was pouring all they had on us, I did what a lot of fellows did. I put my mind on other things, but not so my pal Jim Green. The giving is all they got tonight, Dave. Yeah. There's a funny feeling a guy gets out here, never knowing just what minute the end is going to come, and yet always so close you can down near taste it. Yeah. It's a funny thing, though. It never seems to get you like it does me. You know why, Jim? <laughs> get some secret system? Maybe. Well, give. Let another guy in on it. You got a girl back home, Jim? <laughs> a girl. Man, I've got dozens. I've got just one. <laughs> I figure there's more safety in numbers. You've got just one. How do you know she'll be yours when you get back? I know, Jim. There was never anyone for Loray but me. And there was never anyone for me but Loray. You got more faith than I have, Dave. There's still a lot of fellas on the home front making hay while the sun shines. So they tell me. I never worry about Loray. She's always with me. Always. Jack! Christopher, that was a close one. Yeah. I hate all of this. Why do we have to be out here? Our bodies targets for death. Quiet, Jim. Think about something else. You're a fool, Dave. You don't have any more chance than I have. But I have. I've got faith. You know what, Jim? It always seems that Loray is right beside me. Sometimes walking in front of me, shielding me from enemy fire. <laughs> That's rot. You don't have to believe me, but I know it's true. I can feel her presence tonight more than ever. I know she's here beside me. You expect me to believe in such a thing? As if a person a million miles away could protect you in this foxhole. What's more, it's getting hotter around here. We're in for it tonight. Faith, Jim. Faith. I'm afraid, Dave. Let Loray protect you as she does me. Down this spot it is. We gotta move out of here. Jim, don't be a fool. It ain't safe here, I tell you. They're zeroed in on us. Jim, come back. Oh. Jim. Oh, Jim, I told you to stay by me. Loray would have protected you. 
my story any more than Jim, who lost his life that night. But I knew my darling Lorraine was constantly by my side. No matter how terrible the battle, she was protecting me. When I was in the front line, she was my shield and my protector. When we moved along the roadways and our planes above spotted us, I had no fear, for Lorraine was near me. Since childhood, we'd been pals living on nearby farms. Somehow, even as kids, we seemed to sense that there was a strong bond between us that no amount of kidding from the other kids could harm. They're all laughing because you're walking home with me, Dave. As if I care. They'll bother you all day tomorrow in school. Let them just try. Dave? Yeah? Are you planning to marry me when we grow up? Well... I guess I am. I'm planning to marry you, too. Can't nobody bother us. Only Pa. He says it's silly for a little girl to have a sweetheart. You are my sweetheart, aren't you, Dave? Well, I guess so. You're the only one I like in all the world. More than your uncle and aunt that you live with? Sure, they ain't like real folks to me. You are. I'll always belong to you, Dave. Always. that's the way it was, right up through the years. We always belonged together. Maybe it was because I didn't have any real folks. I was an orphan, and the folks that adopted me let me call them aunt and uncle. They were good to me. Uncle Henry planned to let me run the farm when I got through my course down at agricultural college. And someday, the farm would be mine. And Lorraine and I, we planned to be married just as soon as I finished my school course and began to run the farm. Then, along came the war, and I had to go. And the evening before I left, Lorraine and I walked to our favorite place for meeting, in the woods, just beyond the clearing of Uncle Henry's place. We had a favorite old log there where we could peer through the clearing and see the house and hills beyond. And a patch of sky to the west, where the sun dipped down from sight and sent colored streamers out into the sky. And here, when night came, we could look up above the treetops and see the stars and watch the old moon come riding forth into a purple field. Our trysting place was like a seat in a cathedral. Everything good and clean in life was close to us there at our meeting place in the woods. It was here that we said goodbye. You don't want me to come into town and go to the station, Dave? Don't you think it's better to say goodbye here? We'll never say goodbye, Dave. Never. No matter where you go, I'm always going to be with you. Sure. I kind of feel like that, too. And, Dave, when you come back, the very hour that you return to me, I'll know it. I won't come down to the station. I'll be waiting here in the woods, here on the old log. This is where you'll find me. Oh, Lorraine. Dave. You'll be brave? Yes. I'm going now. Don't turn and look. I'm walking away, but I'm not really leaving at all. I'll be with you always. Oh, don't turn and look. Before you know it, I'll be back. I'll return and be sitting beside you, 
here on the log at our old trysting place. And so it was that all during the long days of war, I never felt that I was really away from Lorraine at all, or that she was absent from me. Why, there were times when it was as if I could reach out just a little and find her beside me. In fact, there were times that I could actually hear her voice. I recall the first time I heard it. It was a bad hour. The enemy was giving us everything they had from the sky. Fellas I knew and liked were dropping all around me. Their cries struck terror in my heart. of all the hellfire and dying, the pain and the terror. Just as clear as a bird call on a silent night, I heard Lorraine's voice for the first time. Do not fear, my darling. I'm here, Dave. Here beside you. It was so clear, that voice of hers, that I expected to look and see her standing near me. You can scoff if you like. You can shrug your shoulders and pass my whole story over lightly if you wish. But I know Lorraine was there beside me as the battle raged all around. And then it was over. The war was over. And finally the day came for leaving the battle-torn old world, getting on a ship and starting homeward. shouting and rejoicing. There was singing and laughter. There was hope about to be fulfilled. There was home just beyond the horizon. We were at sea. Then we were in the harbor. Then on shore. And then soon discharge. I'd made up my mind I'd return without a word to anyone. Yes, I'd fool Lorraine. She said she'd know the very hour that I'd be returning. I wouldn't have to tell her, she said. The very hour that you returned to me. I'll know it. I won't come down to the station. I'll be waiting here in the woods. Here on the old log. This is where you'll find me. Yeah. We'd see how good she was. We'd test that second sight of hers, that intuition. All the while on the train that carried me towards home, I kept chuckling to myself. We'll see. Just see if she will be waiting on the old log when I come walking into the woods. My heart was pounding with the excitement of my returning, of the surprise in store for Lorraine. Oh, it seemed as though the long train trip would never end. But finally, we pulled into the station. There was a little bunch of town folks around the old depot. I didn't want to see anybody. 
I waited until the train was almost ready to leave, and then I jumped off on the opposite side. I took to the fields that led out to the road to where our farm stood. It was autumn. Already there'd been a frost, and the old maples in the woods were dressed in scarlet, brilliant red. Under my feet, the dry leaves made soft music. Only a little way further to go, and our log would be in sight. And then, there it was before me. I stopped, dead still. I couldn't move. For there she was. There was Lorraine, seated on the log just as she promised. The setting sun made her all golden. Her fair hair was touched with it, and sparks of light danced upon it. She was looking right at me. Now she was standing, her arms stretched out to me. Oh, Dave. Dave. You knew. Yes, Dave. You knew I was coming. Yes, my darling. Just as you said you would know. Yes. Oh, darling, Lorraine, you've never been absent from me, not for an instant. No, Dave. You followed me wherever I went. Yes. There were times when I actually heard your voice. Of course. What did you say to me? Do you remember what you said? Yes. Tell me. I remember. I said, do not fear, my darling. I'm here, Dave, here beside you. Yes, that's what I heard you say. We will never be separated, Dave, never. Of course we won't, not now. I'm home safe and we'll never be parted again. Never let anyone tell you differently. Never let them say that we are parted. Oh, what do you mean? We're together. We can't be parted, not ever again. Dave. Oh, my darling, more beautiful than ever. But you're so cold. Night is coming. It's chilly here in the woods. I must get you home. <laughs> Try and catch me. Try and catch well, me, Dave. Well, hey. Hey. You can't run away from me like this. Wait, I'll catch you. I'm a pretty fair runner these days. <laughs> Don't you know I've been in training? Well, hey. You can't hide from me. Well, what do you know? You've pulled one on me. I, I can't see you anywhere. Lorraine, where are you? Say, you can't run out on me like this. I'll find you. Huh. Well, what do you know? Got out of my sight. Okay, honey, you win. If you can hear me, I'm going up to the house to clean up a bit. See Uncle Henry and Aunt Martha. But I'll be over to your house on the stroke of seven. Do you hear me? At seven. And tomorrow we get the license to be married. Lorraine, can you hear me? The license to be married. feeling to oh, see you two. don't he look wonderful, Henry. Taller than ever and filled out, too. Oh, we're glad to have you back, David. Glad you made it safe and sound. Oh, I tell you, there wasn't a chance of me not making it. You know something, Aunt Martha? All through the terrible business, I felt that Lorray was beside me, protecting me from death. Oh, David. And the most wonderful part about it all, even though I never let any of you know I was coming home today, Lorray had a feeling about it. She was waiting in the woods for me just now at our old log where we always used to meet. What did you say, Dave? Lorraine was waiting in the woods for me. I just left her. She sensed that I was coming home today, and just like we planned before I went away, she was waiting for me in the woods. My boy. Henry. Henry, you got her. Didn't you get our letters, Dave? Well, sure, I got some, but mail hasn't caught up with me now for a long time. Dave. Oh, Dave. <laughs> 
What's wrong? What is it? Well, David, it's like this. She couldn't have met you in the woods, David. Lorraine couldn't have been in the woods just now. But she was. I just saw her. No, David, no. Lorraine died, my boy. She passed away just a little while after you went overseas. We wrote you. We finally wrote you about her death. David finds that the person close to his heart, who he has just met at the old trysting place in the woods, is of this world no more. She's a dream and a vision that is ended in death. What will happen to David's life now? Eh? The hermit will tell you before the night is done. <laughs> now the hermit again. Now, David Runzel goes on relating the story of his life to the hermit. Listen. <laughs> you ask, what happens to my life now? Do you think that I believe that death has separated Lorraine and me? Never. As we reckon time on this earth, my Lorraine was asleep in death at the time she appeared to me on the battlefield. She was not of this world when, in returning home, I met her in the woods at our old and destined meeting place. Uncle Henry and Aunt Martha have taken a place in town. They've left me the farm as they promised, and I'm working it. I've been here three months now. Last evening, Aunt Martha came out to see me. I... Brought you a pie and some cookies, David. Thanks, Aunt Martha. Oh, your Uncle Henry and I worry about you, my boy. Oh, you must not do that. But we can't have you here all alone. I'm not alone. David, you need somebody to keep house for you. You should find a nice girl, court her, and, and marry Aunt her. Aunt Martha, never. Oh, it ain't right. It's a sinful terrible thing, you thinking that a dead girl is beside you all the time. Oh, stop, Aunt Martha. You can't talk this way to me. I got her, David. The living can't bow down to the dead. Lorraine is not dead. I saw her lowered into her grave. You must say no more. It's the way I want it. There's no one in all the world, here on this earth or after, that I want but Lorraine. Oh, David. It's the war. It's touched your mind. No, Aunt Martha. There's no use trying to explain. There's a bond between Lorraine and me that is stronger than life, deeper than earth, and beyond all time and reckoning. Sometimes I wonder. I puzzle over the why of it all. Why am I left on earth alone? Why, if Lorraine had to pass beyond, I could not have met her there? But such was not the way it was planned. And I'm not alone. Often as night gathers, when the stars light the sky, when the wind is soft and blows a fragrance in the windows, I hear the door open softly. 
Lorraine? Yes, David. I am here. I can feel your presence, but I cannot see you. I cannot always return to your sight, but I am ever-present. Yes, I know. I will always be near you. Oh, why can't I, too, die that we may be together? That I cannot answer. There will be an hour, a time for meeting. You will never appear to me again like you did in the woods when I came home? No, my darling. Not until the final hour. Until... My death, you mean? We do not call it death. We who love, for love is stronger than death, my darling. Love is of the spirit, and the spirit never dies. And so it is I know. The love I bear for Lorraine and the love she bears for me knows no boundary, nor no ending. Do you scoff? Do you shake your head in disbelief? Do you believe, as does Aunt Martha, that my mind is addled by the horrors of war? Do you believe it untrue that my Lorraine, because of death, hath left me? Uh, what matter what you say or what you think? I tell you, she is with me always. During the soft, early hours of dawn, when the sun rides the summit, when dusk falls and the shadows lengthen to bring the night, when the wind sings, when the pines mourn, she is near me. This is my story of love that never ends. David Rudzo, a boy who believes in a love stronger than life or death. This is a story he told me, a story without end. Turn on your lights. Turn them on. <laughs> I'll be back. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Characters, places, and occurrences mentioned in the hermit's cave are fictitious, and similarity to persons, places, and occurrences is purely accidental. The Hermit's Cave was a radio horror anthology series. As the wind howled, the ancient hermit narrated his horror fantasies from his cave. The show, syndicated by WJR Detroit in the mid-1930s, and sponsored by Olga Cole after the first two years. The Hermit was not kind to the characters he narrated. They died in gruesome, horrific ways, chopped, bashed, mashed, and sometimes even worse. Luckily for the audience, the sound effects, created by Dwight Hauser, were up to the task. The cackling character of the Hermit was played by John Kent, Charles Penman, Toby Grimmer, and Clock Rider. 
William Conrad produced when the show moved to KMPC Los Angeles with Mel Johnson as the Hermit from 1940 to 1942, followed by John Denner from 1942 to 1944. The stories were written by Lou Houston and Herbert R. Connor. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.